Now, why would Paul tell older men to be sober, to be temperate? Because retired men, older men, generally have time on their hands. And this could lead to an excess of all kinds of things. Like, um, let me throw it out there, playing too much golf. You know, I've, I've retired. I've got this money. Uh, I'm going to live in such a way that uh, I'm going to really enjoy life now. I'm going to really spend a little bit. I've been saving all of my life, and now I'm going to I'm going to be a little extravagant. Socrates said, "Contentment is natural wealth. Luxury is artificial poverty." How do we know where the transition is from moderation to extravagance, and who really cares anymore? Well, most of us are sold out to the Madison Avenue standards of success. Julius Caesar once said, "I came, I saw, I conquered." Now we say almost the same thing when we come home from the mall. I came, I saw, I purchased. Yet the Bible says we are to be temperate, sober, and moderate. How do we do that, and why should we do it? Those are just some of the questions we will consider today on verse by verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse is the radio extension of that ministry. Today we will continue our study from Chapter Two of the Book of Titus. Paul had some great wisdom to share with Titus and with us. Verse two gives us some of the characteristics that older men should display. It is tempting once we have paid our dues, so to speak, to indulge ourselves. We figure we deserve it after all those years of hard work. Ah. But just because we are not going to the office or factory every day does not mean we can just kick back and do anything that tickles our fancy. Here is Pastor Steve with some biblical standards and the methods and motivations we can use to attain them. Now, old age is not always the easiest thing to face, and I'd like you to turn. We're just kind of giving a little background on this to Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. I believe Michelle just taught on this in our ladies' Bible study, and uh, it's good that she taught on this because um, in, in interacting with her, uh, my mind went to this chapter, Ecclesiastes. It's right before the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter twelve. Uh, not a pretty picture of growing old. Um, it's the sunset of life, the difficulties associated with growing old. Uh, these are really the miseries of old age. I'd like to read it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Solomon said, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come. He's speaking about growing old. The evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. And mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. These are, as I said, the miseries of growing old. He speaks of failing memory, verse 2. He speaks of hands trembling with feebleness. He speaks about the legs and knees becoming weak. And then he speaks about grinders. He says the grinders are few. You know what the grinders are? Your teeth. They're few. The others are idle. In other words, they're not working right. The ones you do have don't work right, and you don't have as many as you used to. And he speaks about your eyesight begins to grow dim. Now, in the next few verses, we don't need to read. I'll just tell you some of the other things that, that Solomon said to describe old age. He speaks of an inability to sleep, 
It's difficult to sleep. A loss of hearing. A loss of vigor. The fear of going outside because you might fall. You might fall. Hair turning gray and white. Being bent over and moving slowly. I mean, the Apostle Paul put it in the New Testament. He said, the outer man is decaying. And Solomon tells us some of the specifics of that. So physically, growing old can be tough. But there's an advantage to being older as well. And Job mentions an advantage. In Job chapter 12, verse 12, Job says this. He says, wisdom is with the aged men, with long life is understanding. And that's a general truism. That's not always the case. That's a general truism. There's more of an opportunity to acquire wisdom the longer that you live. I mean, we we would say that as well. But that's one of the advantages. You live longer. You experience things more than those who are younger. Therefore, you have the opportunity to acquire wisdom. Also, Leviticus 19, verse 23, speaks about respect that is to be given to those who are older. God says in Leviticus 19, verse 23, says, or 32 rather, he says this, you shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God, I am the Lord. So there is to be a respect that those younger are to show those who are older. And it's also possible to be very productive spiritually as you are older. A great verse is Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 14, speaking of the righteous man who is older, Psalm 92, verse 14 says this, they will still yield fruit in old age. They will be full of sap and very green. Spiritually, they're still going to be very fruitful, still productive. Life doesn't have to end in terms of a retirement that I do nothing. However, old age, even though there can be spiritual productivity, there can be wisdom. We, we want to balance this by saying old age doesn't automatically mean spiritual maturity. Old age does not guarantee spiritual maturity. It doesn't make a believer godly because he's known Christ longer than someone who's younger. It doesn't mean that he has depth of character just because he's lived several years more. Spiritual maturity cannot be measured in years. It just gives you the opportunity to be spiritually mature. It doesn't guarantee it. I know older men who walk with Christ and are deep and are godly men and are very wise, and I know older men who are shallow and superficial and not particularly mature in Christ. And therefore, older men are to be exhorted to godliness, godly conduct, just as younger men need to, and we'll get to that eventually. But if you look back just two books to 1 Timothy chapter 5, I want you to see that it is right and it is proper to exhort older men. It is not disrespectful to do that, to uh, to preach to them and tell them what they need to how they need to behave. For all of us to hold them accountable. In First Timothy chapter five, verse one, Paul writes to, Tim- to Timothy, "Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, and then to the younger men as brothers." So you are to not rebuke an older man in the sense of being disrespectful, but you are to appeal to him, change your behavior, be godly. And I'm appealing to you in a respectful way, Paul tells Timothy. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to all be aware of of what God says to older men so that we can hold them to the standards of Scripture. So older men need to be exhorted to godly conduct. And that's what Paul tells Titus to do. Even though Titus would have been a younger man, 
He would have fit in that category. Titus is to call the older men of the congregation, just as I'm doing this morning, to godliness and an exemplary behavior, not only before the church and especially to younger men who are looking to them as examples, but also to the non-Christians around you, that you can have an evangelistic impact on them. So having said that, let's begin to look at the six characteristics of uh, a godly older man. Number one, Paul says in verse two, older men are to be temperate. They're to be temperate. Now, uh, what does that mean, to be temperate? I, I think we've lost that in our day and age. Some versions might say sober. Now, originally this word referred to someone who was uh, free from, uh, from wine. That's why it's often translated sober. They were not drunk. They were free from, from wine drinking, and uh, that's why, as I said, it's often translated sober. But in the New Testament, uh, the word is broadened. It, it, it doesn't just mean that, that uh, older men are to be sober in terms of uh, from wine or alcohol. The New Testament broadened this word to refer to someone who is sober in judgment, someone who is clear-headed, someone who has things under control in all various circumstances. The thought here is to be moderate, to not be excessive, to, uh, to avoid extravagances. To live in, in such a way that you put restra- a restraint on, on, uh, desires. You, you live in a sensible kind of way. Now, why would Paul tell older men, especially older men, to be sober, to be temperate? Well, let me give you the, the reason, as I see it. Because retired men, older men, generally have time on their hands. They have time on their hands. And this could lead to an excess of all kinds of things. In uh, in certain ways, it could lead to an excess, especially in Paul's day, of drinking too much wine. What else do I have to do? I just meet with the guys, and we do that. You have time on your hands. Let's Let's go drinking together, and that could still happen certainly today, and that does happen today. Time on your hands. Not only that, but uh, not only uh, with a cup of wine, but how much uh, time on your hands, how, how can time on your hands lead to other things? Like, um, let me throw it out there, playing too much golf? Ooh. <laughs> this will be my last week, so listen very, very closely. How about uh, having nothing better to do? This might be a little bit easier than to spend money at the mall. Okay. Uh, being extravagant, maybe not at the mall, but you know, I've, I've retired, I've got this money, uh, I'm going to live in such a way that uh, I'm going to really enjoy life now. I'm going to really spend a little bit. I've been saving all of my life and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little extravagant. The Bible calls older men to be sober-minded and moderate. And I want you to see that uh, this is all connected and First Peter tells us about it. First Peter chapter one. How do you get this this moderate uh, lifestyle, this this clear headedness that doesn't go into excess, and especially in our world because we are such a materialistic uh, society? How do we put a, get a handle on this so that we're not excessive, so that we're not extravagant, so that we are clear headed, so that we don't think that we have to indulge in everything. Well, First Peter tells us uh, in two places it uses, Peter uses this word. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, he writes, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit. That's that word. Be tempered in, in your attitude. And, and why? In light of this, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is to say, in light of the return of Jesus Christ, be temperate, be moderate, don't be excessive. Live in such a way that you are sober in your thinking because Jesus is coming soon. Then he says the same thing basically in chapter 4, verse 7. The end of verse 7, he says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Hey, the end of all things is getting closer. It's at hand, Peter said. The return of Christ is closer than when we first believed. In light of that, live in such a way that uh, you are are being of sober mind. That is to say, and, and I think it all boils down to this, be satisfied with Jesus Christ. Be satisfied with fewer things. You don't need things to make you happy. You need to live your life in light of the fact that Jesus could rapture us at any moment. Now, that ought to change the way you live. People often ask me, do you think the rapture is that important to doctrine? I think in light of stuff like this, it is. You pull this out and you pull out a great motivating factor. Live a temperate life that doesn't have to grab hold of excess and things and doesn't have to be uh, extravagant. Live a moderate life in light of the fact that Jesus is coming again and all these other things are not that important. That's what I think Paul is saying. Be satisfied with fewer things. That is to say, have an eternal perspective. Live in such a way. See, Gentlemen, that's how you have an evangelistic impact. You lose a lot of credibility by the way you live if you live in excess of things. Then you tell somebody the gospel, and why should they listen to you? You don't live like it's really that important. You don't live in the light of Christ's return. Now, does that mean you can't buy things? No, I'm not saying that. Does that mean you can't play golf? No, I'm not saying that. I am saying, and we're not putting a legalistic uh, rule here, I am saying live in the light of priorities. Priorities in light of Christ's return. What is important? The Holy Spirit has to apply it to your life. Exactly how how you're to respond to this. But be clear-headed. Have a sober judgment of things. And, And I say to those who are older men, use your time, your money, your strength carefully. In light of our Lord's return, don't spend all your resources on yourself. I think that's the point. Avoid living in a self indulgent way. The issue is get self out of the way. That is a very real challenge for for those who have retired, because I think especially in Florida, as we have many retirees, and that's a politically correct term, isn't it? Paul could have said those of you who are retired, but he didn't. But in light of having many retirees, I think there can be an attitude that I've worked hard all my life, and now I'm going to live like there's no tomorrow. Let me remind you there is a tomorrow, and that tomorrow says you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and give accounts of your life. So in light of the fact that tomorrow you stand before him, and I'm using that in a metaphorical sense, tomorrow you stand before him, don't live in any, in any way that you, that you please. Don't think it's coming to you, that you deserve this. Live in such a way that reflects that you're satisfied with Jesus Christ and you don't need things to make you happy. And you're going to have a tremendous evangelistic impact on those around you. You give credibility to your message. Not only that, but those of us who are younger men And I just said us. Notice I threw that in. Those of us who are younger men, see, I could use my age for anything. I'm at that age. Those of us who are younger are looking to you for an example. We look to you for an example. Give us that example. So Paul says, first of all, to be temperate. If you somehow knew that the Lord was going to return tomorrow, what kinds of changes would you need to make in your life? None, I hope. 
we should always be living as if he was about to return at any moment. Pastor Steve will be right back after we welcome those who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you are ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, why not stop by and worship with us? Pastor Steve would love to meet you. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That's midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. What does it mean to be dignified? That word sounds rather stuffy, doesn't it? Well, Paul told Titus that older men are to be temperate and that they are to be dignified. We will move on to that second godly characteristic in this second half of our class. Secondly, he says that older men are to be dignified, not only temperate, but dignified. That's the second godly characteristic, dignified. Now, what does that mean? The word basically means to be worthy of respect, to be serious-minded. It doesn't mean that, that, that the man doesn't have a sense of humor doesn't mean that at all, but it means that his outlook on life and, and there's a purpose to this man. There's nothing superficial or shallow about him. He is dignified. He has lived long enough to know that he's not a clown. He's not frivolous. He's not shallow. He's not superficial. He has a seriousness to him, but he's not kind of a morbid guy. We're not saying that. In fact, I thought this was a great quote. John MacArthur in his commentary on Titus says this, Older believers have lived long enough to see many people, including good friends and close family members, experience serious misfortune, suffer great pain, and perhaps die at an early age. They may have seen a spouse or a child suffer leukemia or some other form of cancer or a debilitating disease. They have learned the value of time and opportunity. They better accept and comprehend their own mortality the imperfections of this present world, and the inability of material things to give lasting, deep satisfaction. They have seen utopian ideals fail. They have learned how short-lived and disappointing euphoric emotional experiences can be, even those or perhaps especially those that purport to be of a higher spiritual order. I think if we can sum up what John MacArthur is saying here, about dignity is that uh, older men have lived long enough to suffer, to see others suffer, and to know that only Christ can really satisfy a life. That's what he's saying. There's, there's a dignity that ought to go along with being an older man. We who are younger ought to look at older men and say, now there is somebody I respect. Somebody I respect. To the older men of this congregation, I say to you that you have a responsibility to those of us who are younger. You have a responsibility not only to us, but to the non-Christians to live in such a way that, that you gain our respect. You don't get respect just because you're older, although there is a certain sense in which we are to give respect to your, uh, to your age. But as a person, you gain res- our respect by living a godly and consistent life. Now, let me say this as kindly and as graciously as I can, which may not be that kind and gracious, but it is an attempt. There is a tendency when people get older to be grumpy, to be unteachable, to be petty, to be superficial, to make much ado about nothing or next to nothing. Don't do that. That's not a good example for us. I don't want to grow like that. I don't want to be like that when I'm older. 
I don't want our younger men to be like that. Give us an example of what's really important in life and we'll, we'll respect you for it. Don't become a shallow man. Don't become a man who is petty. You have lived too long to end your life with pettiness. Have a seriousness about you because you are consumed with a passion for Jesus Christ. A serious pursuit of God and His purposes and we will respect you and we will honor you for that. Serious in mind. So I exhort you respectfully to do that. Older men are to be temperate, sober-minded, he means, dignified. The third thing that Paul says they are to be is, notice verse 2, they are to be sensible. Sensible. Now, by sensible, Paul means self-controlled, having passions under control, mental passions under control, physical passions under control, and to live by God's standards. They are to be self-controlled. And the thought behind this Greek word is that they are to be, uh, to be sensible means that your mind is under control. It, it has the, the term, the thought of the mind here. Your mind is under control so that you think rationally and you approach problems with a reasonableness and sane judgment. You see, that is, uh, that is to be a mark of old age as opposed to when you're younger, younger men are often hotheads. They often react to problems. They don't think through things. They can be very rash and hasty, and that is a mark of immaturity. Older men are to be different. You who have walked with Jesus Christ are not to get carried away by emotions or circumstances or problems. You are to face them with with a sanity of judgment, a cool-headedness. You are to be under control. We look to you for that example. We look for you to model for us how to address problems in a way that that speaks well of mature men. How do you get to be sensible? You walk with God. You spend time alone with Him. You spend time in His Word, and as you do, you learn to be discerning. And you learn that, that life has difficulties and there are conflicts and problems, but you approach them with a cool head. You approach them with the heart that understands that Jesus Christ is the sovereign one of the universe and nothing is out of control and that your testimony is more important than than anything else. Your testimony, once you've lost your testimony, you have nothing else of value. You can lose other things, but once you have lost your testimony because you've blown it in a situation, then you have lost what is most precious. Our testimony is like our reputation. It takes a lifetime to build a good one and only a few seconds to destroy it. Did you catch what Pastor Steve said about the responsibility of older men to gain the respect of the younger men? That's not something you do overnight. It takes years and really begins when you're a young man. Is there someone older in your life whom you deeply respect? I've always looked up to my father-in-law. He is one of the most godly men I know, and even though he's not perfect, he has a lot of the qualities we're hearing about in this study. As I seek to emulate those godly characteristics, perhaps the Lord will use me to set the example for the next generation. If you don't have someone like that in your life, I hope God will lead you to someone who can blaze the trail for you to spiritual maturity. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His 26-plus years of ministry at Lakeside have expanded to include these daily Bible classes of the air. These are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry 
made possible through the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Today was the middle part of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. You can listen again to this broadcast at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have previous lessons on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you're at retirement age, you just may be at the place in your life where God can use you like never before. Join us for the next Verse by Verse to find out how. Mm-hmm.